Well, now we are less than six months away from Santa Claus. It's June 26th, and yeah, we are less than that mark where you need to start, I guess, already putting on your Christmas list and such, what you what you intend to buy this year. And we hopefully you'll put as one of your things you don't have to buy, but one thing you're going to do is a New Year's resolution for the year 2020. Golly, is time flying. Your resolution needs to be to listen to the Y'all Show, and that's what you're doing today, but we need to make sure you do it each and every day. Welcome to the show that is all about the South, covering news, covering politics, covering music, sports, food, travel, and so much more. I'm John Rawl. Good to have you here. As we get things going today, we want to let you know how you can reach us. Our number is 803-816-1170. Also, you can find us on the World Wide Web. Our address is y'all.com, Y-A-L-L.com. Also, find us on Facebook at y'all.com on Facebook. And on Twitter and Instagram, we're at y'all show. Then you can easily find us on a couple of apps like iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, and Apple Podcasts. Search for y'all show. And then like us, follow us, subscribe to us, put it all over the refrigerator that you need to listen and whatever way make sure you tune in on one of our great affiliates across the south our radio stations that carry us each day it is the show that you're going to enjoy and we want you to share it with your friends and family even with your enemies y'all talk with a southern accent coming up in just a few minutes we've got our friend from the acc world joining us jonathan lifeite it's our acc spotlight we will have some football talk to discuss jimbo fisher and florida state the names keep coming back to haunt fsu fans and we'll have a discussion about an article that just came out that pretty much throws jimbo under the bus and we'll have a talk about that and then we've got discussion about acc basketball with jonathan lifeite plus uconn appears headed to the big east leaving the american athletic conference and will that have any impact on the acc we'll ask lifeite himself when we talk to him later this hour when we go to hour two today oh we've got hashtag hullabaloo i have found some goodies 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 and some informative stuff it's not just entertaining it's informative when we get to hashtag hullabaloo where we go on social media and we find the most obscure most insane most fun stuff out there and we share it with y'all that's coming up at the top of our two and then our friend from music row is back on precious harris and the nashville music line we want to know what's going on in country music and in Music City, USA, and Precious will be here to tell you all about it in hour two. Now that is what they call in the biz, one loaded, jammed up, ready to go, perfect show. That's what we're doing here. That's what we do on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Let's start out the headlines, and this is a headline that, again, I don't normally talk about the stuff that's all over the nation's normal news outlets the cnn's the msnbc's the fox newses but i did find it a little intriguing on tuesday when the story broke that the border official in charge of the customs and border protection resigned amid an uproar over the discovery of migrant children being held in pitiful conditions at one of the agency stations in texas and so john sanders he left And it appears that President Trump's already tapped someone else to come in and take that role as he'll step down July 5th. Did not give a reason for leaving, but it's believed 
It was over the conditions at the agency stations along the border in Texas. I will give CNN credit because I was tuning in on Tuesday when this news was breaking about the decision of John Sanders to leave the Customs and Border Protection Commission job that he had. And they brought out that back in 2014, a Barack Obama-led presidency, he did an interview. I think it was with CNN or maybe it was with ABC. I think it was with George Stephanopoulos, now that my memory is coming back from just yesterday. (laughs) And I think Obama was talking about migrants coming to America five years ago. And he was saying that they don't need to bring kids. And if the kids get there, they're going to be turned back. So I want y'all to go find that again from CNN of all places, President Obama's words about the migration from years ago. This is not a brand new thing when it comes to President Trump. And the more they come, uh, unfortunately, the worse the conditions may be. And we're talking June, July conditions. If you look just at weather and then you look at the numbers of people coming, it makes for a difficult situation. So more changes there in the administration. I will say, as a person that followed Trump closely, he promised he would bring on the best people in his positions, and he had all this knowledge of hiring and such. That really hasn't turned out to be quite the case in most of his hirings. I don't know what's happened, but there that that is a, a promise not kept that President Trump loves to brag about all the things he's done. Well, one of the things he promised is he would get the best people in, in so many positions. He, he either... Uh, there's multiple reasons, but a lot of it, I just don't get along the people that he chooses or they're just not qualified. Perhaps a Texas man who threatened president Trump from prison has just received a 37 month sentence. He'd faced up to five years in prison and a $250,000 fine. The Gibbs, Texas man, buddy, Keith Myers, only 24 years old, threatened president Trump from a Louisiana prison And he just got sentenced to the three years in federal prison for that. He pleaded guilty in August of last year and a statement filed with his plea says he told investigators the threats were serious. He wrote letters back in 2018, threatening Trump with death or injury. He drafted most on inmate request forms, giving some to officials at Allen Correctional Center and mailing at least one to the Louisiana Department of Public Safety and Corrections. This man there in the Lake Charles area now, but a native of Gibbs, Texas, getting sentenced for 37 months for threatening President Trump's life. You may not like the guy, but you don't need to be threatening him. And worse, actually trying to carry out a threat to the president or any other official. You should be locked up for quite some time. More news coming from Louisiana and Gonzalez, a deputy testified that a man accused of killing five people earlier this year confessed to the crimes after being captured in Virginia as Ascension Parish deputy in court Monday at a hearing of 22 year old Dakota Thoreau. The deputy recalled Thoreau saying he shot the victims in pure cold blood. The deputy also said that Thoreau pointed a gun at officers in an attempt to get them to shoot him when They went to capture him at his grandmother's house in January. This was a big story. Remember, he fled Louisiana, ended up in Virginia, and he had killed, uh, allegedly killed his parents, his girlfriend, and her father and her brother. Prosecutors have said they plan to pursue the death penalty of this man, 22-year-old Dakota Thoreau, there in Gonzales, Louisiana. 
Now, a story coming from South Carolina, an ex-Catholic priest tied to raping boys in Savannah and the low country of South Carolina has died just months into his imprisonment. And this former Catholic priest pleaded guilty last year to raping two boys decades earlier, and he died just several months into a 20-year prison sentence at the prison in South Carolina. Waylon Yoder Brown was 75 years old. He died at a hospital from what appears to be of natural causes, according to the South Carolina Corrections Department. The ex-priest had been in prison since his guilty plea last October. This Catholic priest, again, pleading guilty to raping two boys in prison and now dead after just a few months in incarceration. How about some business news coming from the state of Tennessee? Mitsubishi Motors is going to relocate their North American headquarters to the Nashville area as the headquarters are moving from California to Tennessee, a move that will bring the Japanese automaker closer to its sister company, Nissan, and strengthen Tennessee's growing reputation as an epicenter of the automotive sector. Hey, the new Detroit is the volunteer state. Governor Bill Lee and the Department of Economic and Community Development Commissioner Bob Rolfe made the announcement with Mitsubishi Motors North America at the headquarters as it will move from Cypress, California to Franklin, just south of Nashville, and it will result in an $18.25 million investment in the region and bring an approximately 200 jobs into Williamson County and Davidson County, where Nashville is located. Franklin, just south of Nashville, is also known as Music City, it's home to the state's most powerful Republicans, from Governor Lee, who's from that county, Williamson. That's where Marsha Blackburn, the U.S. Senator, lives. And the Speaker of the House, who's resigning his position in Tennessee, Speaker of Tennessee's House, Glenn Casada, all live in Williamson County. So a good choice there for Mitsubishi moving from Cali to Franklin. The headquarters has been located in California since 1988 and expects the relocation will begin in August and be completed by the end of the year. That's a quick turnaround for Mitsubishi, but I guess they can pull it off. And if you've got any land in Williamson County, Tennessee, you just might want to go call up Mitsubishi Motors and offer them a deal. But I think just about every pasture in Williamson County has already been built on to some degree. I'm in that county quite a bit. It's a lovely place. A former resident of Williamson County, Tennessee. Lovely place. And congratulations on getting them. And in the Nashville area as a whole, getting that headquarters to be relocated. Hey, if you've ever picked up a copy of Texas Monthly Magazine as a guy who published a magazine called Y'all for eight years and put out 30 issues, I had envy of another magazine that was out there that did a really fantastic job, and they continue to do a good job, Texas Monthly Magazine, and it looks like they're going to have a new owner as a the Austin-based monthly magazine is going to have Randa Duncan Williams take over as the owner. She's a billionaire oil and gas heiress, and she's buying Texas Monthly magazine. And she's uh, reportedly the magazine was sold a couple years ago for $25 million. That's a lot of money for a magazine. But this woman who grew up loving the magazine, I think will make it even better, perhaps, if you like actual printed magazine, which they actually still exist. Texas Monthly, for all our Texans out there, continues to do a, a great job putting out a monthly product all about the Lone Star State, and they'll have a new owner as she's bought this magazine, the oil and gas heiress from the Houston area, now owning Texas Monthly. Is she going to bring it to Houston instead of Austin? That might actually be a good move 
if I were her and I'd paid millions of dollars, that's what I would do. How about some business news that affects all y'all here as we've got a couple of business headlines on this Wednesday edition. Have you missed Wendy's having spicy chicken nuggets on the menu? I didn't even know they weren't there, but indeed they're coming back as Wendy's has announced the return of those nuggets and they will be back soon. So if you, they were removed, I didn't know this back in 2017 and they're coming back on August 19th. August 19th, wait no more. You can have spicy chicken nuggets at Wendy's and they are all over the place. In fact, give Wendy's credit in their actual unofficial release of this information. The, the real Wendy's Twitter account at Wendy's, the first word used in the announcement that the chicken nuggets that are spicy are coming back. It says, y'all keep asking. So here's your chance. The people in charge say, if you guys can get our tweet, this one right here, to 2 million likes, they will bring spicy chicken nuggets back. Let's freaking do this. Hey, they're getting a little aggressive at Wendy's, this Yankee company from Columbus, Ohio, but they're bringing spicy chicken nuggets back. I didn't even know they were not served anymore. I guess I haven't been to a Wendy's as much as you might think. I just go there for the frosty. What about y'all? What do y'all like there? They That four for four deal they got is just about the best thing going from a value standpoint a drink the fries the sandwich and then you get the little nuggets too for four dollars if you're on a budget wendy's it may not be the healthiest choice but that's a quite a quite a deal there now here's a story from sort of the sports world but it ties into politics and i really can't go into this story like i'd like to because it's a developing story but the headline coming from nola.com There's another text exchange between Louisiana's governor, John Bell Edwards, and LSU on Javante Smart. Now, this was a basketball player LSU had. And if you go back to the SEC basketball season in which LSU won the regular season crown, LSU had a great basketball season. Will Wade led them to the top of the conference. Unfortunately, some things happened, and he became a guy who was under investigation and I think continues to be under investigation not from lsu but from the fbi yeah that fbi not the federal basketball investigation but the federal bureau of investigation and lsu was really putting up with some wild things there in march well now it appears that lsu held basketball player javante smart out of his march 9 game against vanderbilt after consulting the school's general counsel and an outside attorney who works for lsu's athletics department According to a text exchange between the governor, John Bell Edwards of Louisiana, and LSU Board of Supervisors Chairman James Williams. And sure enough, a public records request has been put out by NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. And it clearly states this conversation between these parties, Joe Oliva of LSU and the code. It's a messy thing. I think it's going to get even messier, but... Who knew that the governor of Louisiana, John Bill Edwards, would be in on this mix of the conversation about potentially paying players to come to LSU? I can't help but think of the movie Basketball, a great movie done by the South Park guys. And in that movie, they talk about Shaquille O'Neal, who played college basketball at LSU. And one of the guys said something like, you know, him being a professional, and he goes something like, everybody knows Shaq got rich in college. And of course, he chose to play college at, play college basketball at LSU. So the insinuation there is he 
got played to get play at LSU. That was back in the early nineties. And it appears that maybe LSU is still doing it. And let's be honest, I think a lot of schools probably kind of skirt the rules. That's why there's a huge investigation going on right now in college basketball. With that a developing story, if you want to know more about this one, and this again touches the political world, it continues to discuss the sports world, the SEC world. That is a soap opera going on right now with LSU's basketball program. A puppy abandoned on the side of a road in Mississippi in an armchair, and now the animal control is looking into this cute little puppy that was right there, again, in an abandoned armchair on the side of the road in Brookhaven, Mississippi. And this cute puppy, it looks like a mostly Dotson mix, if I had to guess. Animal Control said they discovered it on Monday, and they received a call to check out the dog sitting in the armchair in Brookhaven, which is about an hour south of Jackson, Mississippi. Photos of the dog, if you look at them up close, show uh, emaciated, a scrawny-looking brown dog laying in a brown recliner armchair, and it appears to be covered with some dog food. But who would leave dog a dog right on the side of the road in Brookhaven, Mississippi, in this heat? I guess they thought somebody would come pick it up, which... Looks like the dog's lucky. He's still with us, but the dog was rescued and will be placed up for adoption at shelter. Check it out. Cute dog. But what an idiot person to do such a thing. Assuming someone intentionally did that. And it looks like they did. Like I said, dog food was left in the recliner for this dog. And he had a comfortable spot there. Somebody, if you don't have the business sense and just life sense to keep a dog, then go put it up for adoption. There's no reason to torture a dog like it appears this dog has had to put up with in Brookhaven. A homeowners association says a veteran cannot place American flags outside his home. This comes to us from Mableton, Georgia, in Cobb County. And this veteran wants to fly two flags outside his home, but he's getting pushback from his HOA, and he's calling it anti-military and anti-American. He said that it's ridiculous that it's even ruled that from Gene Kirschbaum, who is a Vietnam veteran. 13 years, that's how Kirschbaum has lived in his neighborhood. It's also the same amount of time he's flown his American and Army flags in the front of his home. But last Thursday, he received a letter from the Community Management Associates for the Ridge at Vinings, stating that he could only fly one flag because of the covenants of the association. He says the Ridge at Vinings Estate HOA has a new board, and the members believe that it has nothing to do with the notice He said nobody's ever mentioned it or anything before, but now, to me, it comes across as anti-military, anti-American. And the local CBS affiliate in Atlanta has reached out to the board. They put out a statement that said, The Ridge HOA has not formally requested or pursued removal of Mr. Kirschbaum's flags. Mr. Kirschbaum inadvertently received an email letter from the neighborhood's management company, which was not approved by the full board of directors prior to its distribution. On behalf of the neighborhood, we are sorry for any misunderstanding this may have caused. Kirschbaum said maybe it's time to make some changes to the dated neighborhood covenant. Well, again, to the HOA's credit, they're not saying he can't fly a flag. They're just saying he can't fly two flags. I can somewhat see that. What I don't like to see is people stepping on people's first amendment rights if you want to fly a flag no matter what the flag is you should absolutely be allowed to do that okay because if you don't allow that who's to say that let's say you want to fly something other than the united states flag 
It might be your favorite college team. It might be your state flag. It could be a flag that's religious in nature. It could be a rainbow flag. It could be a Confederate flag. Who's going to come in and say, well, you can't fly that one, but you can't fly the other one. Okay. We open ourselves up to be very un-American when you do that. And as I, I bring up flags into this discussion a lot, y'all probably tired of hearing me, but these, I'm talking about flags a lot on the show because they're in the news. And you know what? I'm not done talking about flags. We're going to have some information about flags when we get to hashtag hullabaloo in hour two. And our final story from the headlines today comes to us from the Nashville area. And how about this one? This one goes in the cray cray department. If you're wondering, Miss Hooters, Tennessee contestant arrested for allegedly trashing her boyfriend's house. 21 year old Madison Rogers was charged with aggravated burglary and vandalism after being caught on security footage, destroying the home after the boyfriend broke up with her earlier in the day. According to Scoop Nashville, that's a journalistic enterprise I had not heard of before. This blonde was among the top five contestants in the Miss Hooters Tennessee competition, arrested for trashing her boyfriend's house, and we wish her well in her legal process. Police responded to the man's address on May 31st when he told them that Rogers flew into a rage after the breakup. The Hooters contestant had allegedly pounded on his front door before kicking it open and attacking him. The boyfriend then said he picked her up and carried her outside. Rogers was booked on charges of vandalism and felon aggravated burglary. She was later released on a $5,000 bond. 21-year-old Hooters contestant from Nashville, Madison Rogers. Good luck in the legal process there and I guess she took the breakup a, a little hard. You know, in Nashville, they're really more known for taking breakups and making hit records out of them. There's a hit there somewhere with Miss Hooters, Tennessee, and breakups and going to jail. <laughs> Where's Johnny Paycheck when you need him? Or David Allen Coe. That's who I was thinking of. Johnny Paycheck could have done a good job with a song like this, too. That's our headlines here on the Y'all Show. We've got headlines from the ACC coming up after the break. Stay with us. Jonathan Lifehite, 24-7 Sports, and CBS Sports Digital is coming on to let us know all about ACC football, specifically those Knowles from Tallahassee. The Y'all Show continues after this. Message and data rates may apply. Please do not text and drive. See purple.com for terms and conditions. And now for an important announcement. Do you or does someone you know sweat the bed? Do you ever wake up feeling like you've been sleeping on a slip and slide? Sweating the bed is a serious but common problem that affects your sleep, health, and happiness. Plus, it's just plain gross. But it's not you. It's your mattress. Fortunately, there is a cure. It's called Purple. Purple is the only mattress with a scientifically engineered smart comfort grid. This patented technology is designed to let air flow freely so you sleep cool. Side effects of sleeping on Purple include sleeping better, feeling better, and, well, honestly, smelling better. Try the Purple mattress risk-free for 100 nights and never sweat the bed again. Now you can pick your own free product with mattress purchase by texting TRY to 84888. Become a Purple VIP and be the first to know about deals by texting TRY to 84888. That's T-R-Y to 84888.
continuing on on this Wednesday edition of the show that's all about the South. This is y'all. And no, we're not a broken record. That's the Florida State fight song you're hearing once again on today's y'all show. And the reason we have that playing is because Florida State continues to get the headlines. Maybe there's not enough excitement in the ACC from a football standpoint here in the month of June. But the Knowles back in the headlines across the South and more. And Jonathan Leifide of 24-7 Sports is joining us now to talk about FSU and all things ACC. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, how are you? I am good. Now, is it because the summer is rather boring? That's why we continue to talk about Florida State, or should I say the bad things going on at Florida State? Well, as I always used to say, there is no good news in the offseason. Okay. And so anytime you hear news, it's probably going to be bad when we're talking about June. So in this case, it sounds like uh, um, the uh, the uh, Florida State uh, administration and others are doing all they can in order to uh, throw Jimbo Fisher under the bus and blame him for the current state of the Florida State program. And to be honest, they probably have a pretty good point. Jonathan, I'm citing an article on your sister website, cbssports.com, that has a report out from Tom Fornelli that says Florida State's athletic director explains how Jimbo Fisher, quote, pulled the ripcord in the final season. And this is a feature on Florida State's recent struggles, and it pins the blame squarely on Fisher's shoulders. What did you have a chance to read that from CBS? And, and what did you think of that? I, I did. And, and to be honest, I, I think there probably was some validity to it, but I think they probably also are are doing their best to, to try and rally around the, the coach that is there and the decisions they have made um, in terms of, uh, um, you know, trying to trying to get things squared away. So, like I said, I think that Jimbo Fisher did make some mistakes late in his tenure, um, specifically in, around his offensive line recruiting and also um, some of the quarterbacks he chose. Um, but uh, on the other hand, they are certainly doing all they can to blame him for everything that's wrong. And I don't care how bad he might have done recruiting and some decisions he made. Florida State still has plenty of talent, and there's no reason, even given what Fisher might have done, for them to be performing as, as they are, um, as poorly as they are. So while I would understand a down season a little bit, I wouldn't expect them to be as down as they have been uh, in the last year or two. Well, let's rewind. I think it was season 2016 when the Knowles started in Atlanta against Alabama and the quarterback went down to injury and that season kind of spun out of control, but they did make it to a bowl game. That they did. And uh, I believe that was DeAndre Francois. That was a season that Florida state, of course, did, as I said, make it to a bowl game. 2017, his last season in Tallahassee, what happened there? Um, I think at that point he had decided he was, uh, probably been contacted or at least uh, had some discussions. And I think he probably just kind of gave up a little bit and, and was already kind of heading out the door. So, you know, uh, when you're ready to go to a new job, the, the last couple of weeks you're there, you probably don't do a whole lot. And I think he probably gave up a little sooner. So while I blame him for that and kind of leaving the, the state of the program as it is, I don't think it, he gets as much. He, I think he gets too much uh, blame based on uh, this article. And since I didn't go to Georgia Tech, my memory is not that great. Jonathan, did he leave after the regular season game against Florida and between the bowl game? Is that when he kind of left Tallahassee? 
I believe so. I do not recall if he coached the bowl game or not, but I believe that the, the writing was on the wall at that point. I think they knew going in that was his last game. Well, I think it, memory's coming back. Maybe I did go to Tech. I think in 2017, that was a season that Florida State and, oddly enough, Georgia Tech both kind of got messed up with the hurricane. And the Knowles uh, had to reschedule Louisiana Monroe late after yeah, they canceled correct. that game. They rescheduled that game for after the Florida game, and that's when they made a coaching change in that week, and they had the interim coach actually lead Florida State to a victory over ULM, and that got them to a bowl in Shreveport, lovely Shreveport. Does that sound yes, right? Yes, uh, that does sound right. I believe at that point that's when, uh, that's when he made the decision. Yeah, and so then – the interim wins the one game, and then Willie Taggart, who had the one, I won't say gangbuster, wonderful season at Oregon, but it was good enough to get Florida State's attention, and they get, well, the, I think, they get the Florida yeah, native I, back in Tallahassee. Yeah, I think most of what got their attention was what he did at South Florida. He actually had a, a, a pretty decent run there in terms of uh, improving their fortunes. Um, so, you know, it really, the, the season at Oregon was really kind of a, you know, in their eyes, he, he had some work to do there. I think picking up the pieces from Mark Helfrich, uh, who who did a pretty bad job up there. So, I mean, you know, he turned them around and certainly did made some improvements over where Helfrich had them. But but most of the reason he got hired there was because of what he did at South Florida. Uh, okay. Well, FSU again, Willie Taggart trying to make 2019 a much improved season for Knowles fans. How did Florida State do on the recruiting trail this season? This off season, I should say. Well, they're doing pretty good right now. I mean, they're still uh, still up there pretty high in the rankings at this point. If you kind of look at where they're at, they're third in the ACC behind uh, behind uh, Clemson and uh, Miami. Um, but overall, let's see where do, where do you have them right now? Actually, they're not doing as well as I thought. Maybe they're down at sixteen right now. Hmm. So they're still top twenty, but not their normal. Uh, recruiting juggernaut self that they usually have. So, Well, let, let's look at the Sunshine State, if you will, Jonathan. So Florida State is probably having maybe the worst period they've had in a long time right now. They're in a, a downturn. The Miami Hurricanes were great, now bad. Well, I won't say bad, just kind of in a question mark. But a couple of years ago, they were horrible. They were a laughing stock, and Rick helped get that ship righted temporarily. Not sure where they're going to go. The Florida Gators were a laughing stock. They have improved in 2018 with Dan Mullen. But the point is, there's no dominant program of all the three major schools in Florida. So Florida State, although not good, certainly haven't given up the mantle of the maybe one of the best programs in Florida and maybe without question they are the best program if you go back over the last 15 20 years winning national championships and ACC titles and such Jimbo Fisher a big part of that along with of course Bobby Bowden have you seen the emergence of UCF be a problem for Florida State and Miami and the ACC because of what no. UCF has done you know the national champion of 2017 <laughs> Uh, no, I really haven't seen them be a big deal. And if you look at kind of a lot of what, what they are, in my opinion, is a product of their schedule. Um, they don't play the toughest schedule. And they've done a really good job kind of um, getting some momentum behind their program. But they're not presenting a threat to uh, any, of the, any of the schools that, okay. you know, that you mentioned, the three major schools for sure. So I, I just don't see it. All right. Well, that's good news for ACC fans and I guess those Gator fans too and that's the way it should be the the three that have been playing football for like you know 50 years 100 years 
Florida State maybe yep. not, not quite 100 years, but still those teams go a long way compared to UCF, which literally kind of didn't even exist as a school 40, 50 years ago. And that's the same for USF as well. Jonathan, let's talk a little recruiting, if you will. And the news here from the ACC standpoint comes from the Louisville Cardinals has a four-star quarterback. I love the name. Chubba Purdy has committed to the U of L. What do we know about this decision for a guy who's going to go play for Scott Satterfield and the cards? Kind of a, a, a decision kind of out of the blue. And uh, this guy, he's done a really good job of kind of keeping what he's doing, uh, you know, out of the public eye. So he goes and takes an official visit to, uh, to uh, Louisville. Um, and then he goes and does a few unofficial visits um, where he goes to Purdue, Michigan State, and Kansas State, and then decides, you know what, I'm ready to make my decision. And with no more official visits, uh, this and this was just uh, earlier this week, um, he decides, yep, I'm going to, to Louisville. So uh, this is a guy, he's a, he's a four-star, uh, uh, 214th best player overall, and the sixth best dual-threat uh, quarterback. So certainly a pretty highly regarded uh, um, player. And uh, Louisville really, I think, probably their first real marquee player that they've gotten under uh, Satterfield. Again, this is a four-star quarterback from Arizona in Chubba Purdy committing to the Louisville Cardinals. Now, Jonathan, keeping it on the current roster of the ACC, there's an article out at the BleacherReport.com ranking the best defensive lines for the 2019 college football season and if you know anything about college football those national champion clemson tigers i don't think without a doubt have been the dominant defensive line in college football and as a result they they picked up two national championships in the last three years now this article looks at a bunch of teams out there even the tulane greenway made the list golly (laughs) haven't seen them on a list of top anything in football for a couple of centuries it seems Jonathan, have you had a chance to look at that and, and see the ACC's presence? I know Syracuse is one of the schools that made this list. Well, not surprisingly, Clemson also made the list again, and they, they check in at number three, and the beat just goes on up there in, that, in uh, Tigertown. Uh, another another batch of really good players um, that, that, uh, that Clemson has, led by Xavier Thomas, uh, Niles Pinkney, Jordan Williams, Xavier Kelly, Logan Rudolph, K.J. Henry. Just I mean, the, the list just goes on and on and on, so – and then you mentioned uh, Syracuse. They actually check in uh, number six on the list. And a lot of people will probably be kind of surprised at that. But uh, if you go back and look just in 2018, uh, they averaged uh, over three sacks a game. And I believe that gave them a ranking of six in terms of sacks per game in 2018. That's that's pretty darn impressive. You know, uh, that's, that's Clemson-like numbers. So <laughs> they've got a, a really deep uh, group of, of guys up front. Um, two of their players racked up 10 sacks last, last year and will return the seniors. So um, both of them, they've, they've got not just a, you know one-star player doing everything. They've got a couple of guys that are doing quite well. And uh, uh, even though folks are not used to hearing Syracuse and offense and, excuse me, awesome defensive lines in the same sentence, uh, they're going to have to start thinking about that a little differently. Uh, Dino Babers has certainly done a good job. He was known for his offense 
uh, coming in, but uh, clearly he's got their defensive side also uh, looking a lot better. And again, Kerry Miller penned this article at BleacherReport.com, ranking the best defensive lines for the 2019 college football season. If Clemson checks in at number three, golly, who is better than them according to this article? It would be the Utah Utes and at number one, the Michigan State Spartans. Jonathan, anything wrong with that article if they don't have an ACC team at number one or number two? Uh, probably not. Michigan State, Mark D'Antonio does a really good job up there. They've always had very stout defensive lines. And then uh, Utah, they, they seem to go out there and get them some Polynesian uh, big guys who always perform extremely well. So uh, uh, they've, they've got a, a pipeline, that seems, uh, for, uh, for those guys. And those guys seem to just be, always be awesome defensive lines. So uh, Kyle Whittingham, uh, he's been a, a real rock uh, in terms of uh, his performance out there at Utah, they've they've been fantastic under him, and that continues. I'm ready for somebody to set up a college on the island of Guam or somewhere out there, American Samoa, and <laughs> and that would kind of eliminate all these big guys end up on some of our West Coast teams, and sometimes they end up at, at other colleges around the South, but not often. Jonathan Lifeite is our guest. It's our ACC Spotlight. This is the Y'all Show. We're not done talking about the Atlantic Coast Conference. When we come back, we've got some basketball things to let you know about. And a longtime member of the Big East jilted the Big East a few years ago. And now they're getting called back home. And Jonathan, I want to get your take on UConn. And will this have any effect on the Atlantic Coast Conference? All that ahead as the Y'all Show continues. I can't believe it. That Philip brought his little brother on our mission into orbit? How long until we get there? How long until we get there? How long until we get there? No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. What's this button do? What's this button do? What's this button do? What's this button do? No, 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 don't touch that. Believe it. GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. I'd love to hear more. Do you have a card? This is it. This is when you can either let something happen or make it happen with your professional custom card from Vistaprint. Right now, you can get 500 business cards personalized the way you want them, starting at just $9.99. You pick the look, the style, and the statement you want to make in the moment. Now's the time to make something happen for your business. So own the now with 500 custom business cards, starting at $9.99 at Vistaprint.com. Just use promo code 3232. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 3232. Message and data rates may apply. Please do not text and drive. See purple.com for terms and conditions. And now for an important announcement. Do you or does someone you know sweat the bed? Do you ever wake up feeling like you've been sleeping on a slip and slide? Sweating the bed is a serious but common problem that affects your sleep, health, and happiness. Plus, it's just plain gross. But it's not you. It's your mattress. Fortunately, there is a cure. It's called Purple. Purple is the only mattress with a scientifically engineered smart comfort grid. This patented technology is designed to let air flow freely, so you sleep cool. Side effects of sleeping on Purple include sleeping better, feeling better, and, well, honestly, smelling better. Try the Purple mattress risk-free for 100 nights and never sweat the bed again. Now you can pick your own free product with mattress purchase by texting TRY to 84888. Become a Purple VIP and be the first to know about deals by texting TRY to 84888. That's T-R-Y to 84888.
final segment of this first hour of today's show that's all about the South. This is Y'all. I'm John, and I've got Jonathan Leifite of CBS Sports Digital joining us and 24-7 Sports. It is our time each week. We take a little time to feature the Atlantic Coast Conference. We've already given you plenty of ACC football discussion as we're just weeks away from the ACC Media Days in Charlotte and then kick off Georgia Tech and Clemson just a few weeks after that, right around Labor Day is when we'll be getting there. Rewinding to last week, Jonathan, we had the NBA draft and you had a couple of ACC programs well represented in the draft. Of course, Zion Williamson of Duke went number one and a couple of other Dukies and Heels and such made it into the NBA this year. Congratulations. Schools with three picks in the NBA draft of these conferences out there only the acc had duke north carolina virginia the sec had kentucky and tennessee with three picks in the nba draft so what a an accomplishment there jonathan did you have a chance to see any of the draft and were you happy with the way the acc had picks taken well i I always hate to see the talent dream that you know goes away so next year we won't get to watch those guys and i think most of them were underclassmen so from that perspective i wasn't real happy but uh it's always good to see, you know, uh, the ACC continue to pull, to to put out talent and to and to recruit talent into the league. So, you know, the the level of competition is is always high when it comes to hoops. Well, 2019 draft in the books. Now we have to turn our attention to 2020, and there's an article up at BleacherReport.com by Jonathan Wasserman. A way too soon 2020 NBA lottery mock draft. Jonathan, if you look at that, there may be a couple of names from the ACC to kind of be on the lookout for. Some of these are actually high schoolers listed in this article, but who from this would you say from the ACC standpoint just might be taking here in 2020? Well, first you've got, uh, you've got Matthew Hurt, um, who is uh, going to be a freshman at, at Duke. Uh, he'll be one of them that's, that's on there. Uh, let's see who else was on the list. I was just kind of a lot of them are international players, according to the article. Yeah, there's a lot of guys seem out of France with what is this 2001 uh, program that's there. Um, but by and large, by and large, I guess that's the the, the main one. And mm-hmm. then looking, 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 Cole Anthony. Yeah, that's what I thought. I knew there was another one. Cole Anthony, uh, North Carolina freshman as well. He would be. Uh, uh, be one that would also be coming out of the ACC. So those are the only two that I saw. And Matthew Hurt on the list. Yep, it, I did mention. Him. Okay, yeah, Matthew, you putting the hurting on on Matthew there, but yeah, that article there about 2020, and you got to be thinking about it now. These coaches know that when they're recruiting, because hey, it's still as of the one and done thing is still in play and will be in play for a few more years. Is that right? Yeah, it's still definitely in play. You'll okay. definitely see it um, uh, go on for at least a little while. Well, they haven't announced that it's going to go away, is my point. Nope, they have not. They've talked about it, but nobody's done anything about it. So for reality's sake, it's here, the one-and-done concept. And you've seen Mike Krzyzewski, who's been against it. He just had Zion Williamson do a little one-and-done, and they had a great year other than not winning a national championship there on Tobacco Road. Yep. He has uh, been out. As you mentioned, he was formerly against it, and then he realized, well, that's just the way it is, so – he went out and embraced it, and now it's a regular thing for him. Jonathan, it's a regular thing that conference alignment, realignment, whatever you want to call it, pops up every now and then in college sports. And it appears this week that the Connecticut Huskies are going to go back to the Big East Conference, as that conference has already said, hey, we will gladly take you back. 
and decisions being made here in the next few days for UConn. Will this have any effect on the ACC? And then I have some follow-up questions about that. None whatsoever. UConn was never really uh, – they get mentioned occasionally in terms of uh, relative to the ACC if the ACC were to expand. Uh, but in my opinion, uh, they have not been a candidate and never will be a candidate. Um, there's some pretty significant uh, bad blood between Boston College, Syracuse, and UConn. Um, if you might remember, go back when when the ACC initially expanded, UConn and the Big East actually filed suit against uh, the ACC and Boston College. And at that time, uh, that's when uh, uh, the kind of the battle lines were drawn. And, and as a result, I don't think you'll ever see the ACC reaching out to UConn for anything. Well, the way the Big East splintered, I think I'm right on this, just about every school in that conference is private i think they're all private and they're almost all catholic with the exception of what's the school in well butler is not catholic and maybe the school in omaha creighton in creighton in the conference uh in the big east yeah uh i don't think so i think they might be but the point is they don't have any state large state schools in the Big East so this would be a little bit of a change to have the University of Connecticut as part of the Big East. Uh yeah, it would. They they're largely going to be uh um as you mentioned all of them are going to be the uh the Catholic schools and you are correct. Creighton is part of that. Hey, don't so, question me in my Big East knowledge. When yeah, we yeah. when we don't talk ACC, that's all I follow is Big East rugby. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I should have said lacrosse. Yeah, you probably should have. You probably been better off. St. John's was pretty good at that. <laughs> so there was no chance that UConn could have ever been courted by the ACC, in your opinion. And yeah. and will would the ACC ever look to expand even more than what they already have with arguably 14 slash 15 teams? Uh, it, it's possible that they might add a 15 slash 16, but I would. Uh, I think the only possibility at this point would be if Notre Dame came on full bore uh, as a as a as a full member, even you know in football as well. Um, other than that, I'm not sure that you would see much beyond that. There might be one more team if they felt like they needed to balance some things out, but uh, you know at that point, I think they're done. Well, remember the ACCN debuts in August, and now the television revenues. All that will be in play even more. And with the footprint the ACC has stretching from Boston all the way to Miami and inland as far as Louisville, I think the conference sets up very nice, but maybe there's a school somewhere in there that could bring something to the table that we haven't seen quite yet. But you also, (laughs) one thing about UConn doing this is it opens the possibility up for the dominoes to fall even more. Is someone going to jump into the american athletic conference which should be sued by the acc by the way it's too much confusion when you say aac and acc yep (laughs) but uh, is somebody else begging to go into that conference now that uconn appears to be headed out yeah and i I think the big the big issue will be what is uh, uconn going to do with their football program because the big east doesn't do football and they and the uconn pretends like they like to be a uh, at least a competitive at at an at a FBS level, although I could argue they haven't been very good at that. So um, I, well, I think that's where they're going to – that's where, what will determine whether or not they actually pull, finish pulling the trigger on this and uh, 
and headed to the Big East. Well, there's no shame if they go down to FCS. In fact, I think it was their very last year, a Skip Holtz-led UConn Huskies team won the national championship in FCS football when they were still in that level of football. Well, Jonathan, Life Fight, 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital. We appreciate your ACC analysis, and we look forward to catching up with you in our first report in the month of July when we touch base with you next week. How about that? Sounds great to me. Talk to you guys then. All right, Jonathan. When we come back on y'all, we'll get hour two started off with a little hashtag hullabaloo fun. And then our friend from Nashville, Precious Harris, will be joining us with all the latest scoop from Music Row. This is y'all talk with a Southern accent. We will be right back. I'd love to hear more. Do you have a card? This is it. This is when you can either let something happen or make it happen with your professional custom card from Vistaprint. Right now, you can get 500 business cards personalized the way you want them, starting at just $9.99. You pick the look, the style, and the statement you want to make in the moment. Now's the time to make something happen for your business. So own the now with 500 custom business cards starting at $9.99 at Vistaprint.com. Just use promo code 3232. That's Vistaprint.com promo code 3232. When tracking the domestic dust bunny, you commonly find them hiding under wardrobes next to lost socks. Don't move too suddenly or they'll scurry off. What's utterly fascinating about the dust bunny is that although they are not actually sentient creatures, when they hear that Geico not only saves people money, but also has a 97% customer satisfaction rating, it's obvious to them you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Oh no, it's the dust bunny's only natural predator. Run along, dust bunnies, run along. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. Brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. Good to have you back with us. It's the second hour of this Wednesday y'all show. John Rawl here. Got the water over here in the bottle full and our cup is full of great knowledge about the South. In just a few minutes, we've got Precious Harris dropping by with all the latest news from Nashville, Tennessee. You don't want to miss out on the fun there. Can't wait to find out who's making the news in Music City. And of course, we always play some good music whenever it's time for Precious to drop by. So that's coming up later this hour. want to remind you, coming up on the Thursday Y'all Show, we have a special guest, Alan Chaney is dropping by. He's a, I would say a youngster. He's not even out of his 30s yet. He may not even be 30, to be honest. And he is from Thomasville, Georgia, and he has penned a new book called Crescendo, and it's about his own grandparents, including Fred Allen, his grandfather. Fred Allen, a piano maestro. This guy can play anything. He was in New York. He was in L.A., had his whole career in front of him, and he chose to go back to the South Georgia roots that he knew and live out his life. And he's still with us, but he chose to go there and help teach people piano and and be involved in the arts of South Georgia instead of going and furthering his career, of which you'll learn much more about some of the big figures that he worked with at one time when we have his grandson, Alan Chaney, on the Thursday, y'all, in our By the Book feature. 
Again, this is an actor. This is a, a t- producer, director, Alan Chaney, who now lives in Los Angeles, but was very close to his grandfather growing up. He's actually written his first book all about his grandparents, Fred and Winnie Allen. Crescendo, that's coming up on the Thursday special guest. We'll also have on Thursday our SEC report and more news from the South. And, of course, we also look at some of the fun festivals going on. In fact, we want to remind you we'll be talking a lot about Fourth of July stuff on our Festive South feature on Thursday. Go to y'all.com right now and check out all the fun stuff for the 4th of July that's already on the pages of y'all.com. From every southern state, we've got stuff coming up for next Thursday's 4th of July fun. All that at y'all.com. A reminder also, our number, 803-816-1170. You can text. You can call 24-7, and we would love to get your feedback. On the all-southern show, got the... Precious lined up in just a few, but right now, before we go to Nashville and 17th Avenue to catch up with her, it's time for Hashtag Hullabaloo. Jay Miller, he's on Twitter, just a dude doing dude stuff. I need to steal that one and put it on a t-shirt. Just a dude doing dude stuff. And Jay Miller's Twitter handle is J-B-I-R-J. J-Bird-J. All right. And Jay says, hey, this is very timely. It has to do with the College World Series. What part of the South is at UMish Baseball? With a little smiley emoji. Great to see some new blood in Omaha. Hashtag College World Series. He's talking about the Michigan Wolverines, which won game one of the College World Series finals on Monday against Vanderbilt. And then they let Vanderbilt get them big on Tuesday night. And so they've got a deciding game three tonight from Omaha, Nebraska's TD Ameritrade Park. That game starts at 7 Eastern, 6 Central, and it's the ultimate championship, the national championship on the line between the Big Ten's Michigan Wolverines and the SEC's Vanderbilt Commodores. And so when he writes this on Twitter, it's perfect timing. And keeping some of the CWS talk alive, Brennan Mintz is on Twitter at Brennan Mintz. That's B-R-E-N-N-A-N-M-E-N-S-E. Bowling Green Hot Rods Broadcasting and Media Relations Assistant. Graduate of Kansas State from the Kansas, Kansas City area and proud of it. And he says, I call it how I see it. Amen, Brennan. And Brendan writes, I'm watching the Royals and the College World Series split screen. And on ESPN, they show former South Carolina Gamecock Jackie Bradley Jr.'s homer from tonight. Meanwhile, on Fox Sports Kansas City, at the same time, his college teammate and College World Series hero Whit Merrifield hits a homer of his own. Yeah, so the Gamecocks, when they won those back-to-back championships in Omaha about six years ago, when Ray Tanner was the coach of the Gamecocks, those two guys, Jackie Bradley Jr. of North Carolina, I think is his hometown, and Whit Merrifield, they did great for the Gamecocks, leading him to two back-to-back championships and now have gone on. Jackie Bradley Jr. with the Red Sox and Whit Merrifield with the Kansas City Royals. I saw Merrifield in person back at the end of May when he was playing against the Chicago White Sox when I went to that game at Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago between the Sox and the Royals. A game, by the way, that got interrupted by bad storms and actually got canceled. I got my money back for the game. I saw five innings, and then I hit the road because it was raining, and, and I got reimbursed. In fact, to the White Sox credit, I actually was still in Chicago. I went by the stadium the next day for something else, and I just happened to see that there was no one at the ticket office, which I don't think too many people go to White Sox games anyway. Uh, 
not to throw any kind of anger their way. But I went up there and they gladly gave me tickets for the game that I wanted to, uh, any game on the schedule. And so I picked this past weekend or two weeks ago, the New York Yankees were in town and I picked tickets for that game. Not that I intended to go. I thought I could sell them and I failed on that whole mission. I put them on eBay. I, I got one person to ask me about them, but in the end, I just had to eat them. But remember, they were really free tickets because I'd already gotten my money back for the game that I attended. This was a bonus. And so they went away. Now, I actually got to give the White Sox credit on the game that I bought those tickets for. They had a heck of a giveaway. They gave away 20,000 really cool Chicago White Sox Hawaiian shirts, button down, extra large size, very colorful with all kinds of cool logos. And I saw it on the paraphernalia when I was at the game on Memorial Day. It was when I saw the Royals and White Sox. I thought, that's a pretty cool giveaway. And I I wasn't going to go back to Chicago specifically for that giveaway, but it's one of the best giveaways I've ever seen, at least promoted. So I had tickets to the game. I thought somebody would maybe go to the game that I bought the ticket or got the tickets for because I had the giveaway. It was against the Yankees, probably the marquee team that comes into Chicago each year. Plus, it was fireworks night. That's quite a combination. So I was pretty much just looking to get the face value. I didn't get anybody to buy the tickets, okay? But what I ended up doing after that giveaway that night, I thought that shirt looked so cool from the internet that I actually bought it off of eBay. Somebody that went there and got a free shirt, I gave them about 25 bucks to ship me a shirt, and I got it in this week. It's really cool. And I'm not the world's biggest White Sox fan. I'm not really that big of a fan of all. I don't hate them, though, like I hate a couple of other major league teams. I don't really hate the Whites, the Sox. In fact, if anything, I like them because they're the other team in Chicago, of which I don't like the Cubs because they annoy me. Their fans annoy me. And so Chicago is kind of the redheaded stepchild, and the, the White Sox, that is. And that's why I kind of don't mind supporting the, the Sox a little bit. But anybody that knows me know that I'm all about, oh, of which neither Whit Merrifield nor Jackie Bradley Jr. play for. Those guys are both in the Junior League and in the American League playing for the, the other Sox, the Red Sox, and the KC Royals. But appreciate Brennan Mintz for sharing that. And I guess you're with the Bowling Green Hot Rods. That's the minor league team in Bowling Green, Kentucky. I was just in Bowling Green the other day. I should have stopped by and seen a Hot Rods game. Do you all know why it's called the Hot Rods there in Bowling Green? It's the home of the Corvette. That's why. Onward and upward. Serpentine202 is on Twitter, at Serpentine202, the Twitter handle, with the profile saying, I read a lot. That's a great thing to profess. And frankly, I do not read a lot, and I should. Now, I read all this stuff on hashtag hullabaloo, so give me some credit. We all should probably read. you got to keep the juices going. Get a book, magazine, newspaper, if they even have newspapers these days, and and read. Reading is kind of a good thing, kind of an important thing. Serpentine202 doesn't exclusively read. Serpentine202 also does a little writing on the keyboard. And they put on Twitter, fried okra, not breaded okra, which is good, but fried okra is a gift from God. And then they have a link to a book called Okra haters, you need to get past the slime. It's an article on the dailybeast.com. And you go to the link and a columnist from the Daily Beast expounds on his love for the much maligned vegetable and extols the virtues of the new book, The Whole Okra. The book is called 
the whole okra, a seed to stem celebration. Chris Smith authored it forward by Michael W. Twitty, the whole okra, or should I translate to some of y'all, the whole okra. <laughs> yeah, that is a book all about okra. So you truly in today's world, you can write a book, you can do a radio show, you can write a blog about anything that you want to. And here we have the whole okra, a seed to stem celebration. Serpentine 202 is quite proud of that. Quite proud of the dailybeast.com article, okra haters. You need to get past the slime. And also Serpentine 202 is not afraid to tell you that fried okra, not breaded okra, which is good, but fried okra is a gift from God. Can I have an amen? Now let's go to southernliving.com. And how about southernliving.com having a pretty cool article for all you ladies out there? Can I get a listen up from you? Yeah, because Kimberly Holland at southernliving.com has a really good article. Even guys can appreciate this. But this is all about you wonderful southern bells. You wonderful southern women out there. We love you. We love you. We appreciate you. And you know what? You know, you put up with us fellas all year. And I'm, I'm okay with this. You know, ladies, you have earned, and I'm speaking for all of us Southern men. I'm just going to come out and represent all Southern men here. Ladies, you deserve a little getaway. And so thanks to southernliving.com, there's an article out. The best all-inclusive resorts for girlfriend getaways in the South. Kimberly Holland, I'm sure she got... Uh, quite the perk to write this at southernliving.com. Are y'all ready for roughly six great getaways in the South for girlfriend getaways? Marival. I think that's how it's Marival, 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 Austin in Austin, Texas. Miraval. That might be how it's pronounced. See, when they make these fancy words, sometimes even these old boys of the South can't pronounce them. We'll say Marival. That sounds more fancy. Austin, Texas. That's one. Uh, girlfriend getaway. Girlfriend. All right. Google that. M-I-R-A-V-A-L. Okay. Next up, I'll go happily to the Holiday Inn down the street with my ladies just to go to this town. Key Largo, Florida. You got Bungalows Key Largo, a all-inclusive resort for a girlfriend getaway. That is another option for you. And ladies of the South. If you don't want to go all the way to Key Largo, all the way to Austin, Texas, perhaps you're in Georgia or Tennessee, the Carolinas, St. Simons Island, Georgia has a really cool option. The Lodge on Little St. Simons Island. And I've seen a picture of that place. It's just so precious. It's got the Spanish moss. It's right there in a lovely part of coastal Georgia. Lodge on Little St. Simons Island, the perfect girlfriend getaway and an all-inclusive resort in the Peach State. Now, Port St. Lucie, Florida has Club Med Sandpiper Bay. That sounds like that could get you in some trouble, ladies. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, that sounds like a fun place, regardless of Port St. Lucie. Club Med Sandpiper Bay. Now, if you don't want to go to the beach, here's an option in East Tennessee, in a town that I had not heard of. In Walland, Tennessee, it's Blackberry Farm. It's simply Blackberry Farm. This is one of the best all-inclusive resorts for girlfriend getaways as put out by 
southernliving.com. And wow, Austin, Texas, you have the perfect place evidently for girlfriend getaways. If you can't enjoy Marvel in Austin, Austin also has Lake Austin Spa Resort, one of the best all-inclusive resorts for girlfriend getaways in the South, as told by southernliving.com and the writer Kimberly Holland. Now, Kimberly, I, I, I do need you to represent the other half of the South. Can you come up with some good options for, for guy getaways in the South? That wouldn't be too hard to do. They may not be all inclusive, but I think any lake in June or July would be a good place. Guys can go fishing. They can go drinking. And maybe they can even see a, a boat go by with a girl in a bathing suit or something like that. And that would, from afar, a, a long way off, just, just to give them something to talk about. That would probably be a good guy getaway. What else would be a good guy getaway? You know, in football season, oftentimes me and a couple of my college buddies, we all get together and we go to a road game of our college. And that's always a fun thing. And the neat thing is the wives, of which I don't have one, but all the other guys are married, they don't have any problem with their guys going off. So if you're a guy and you're a little protective of your lady, back off. Just just, just let her go have fun with the girls, okay? And if you're a lady and you're kind of protective of your guy, give him a break. Let them have a y'all pass. That's what we'll, we'll call it, the y'all pass. And you just give them a, two or three days. That's all, it, all, that's all they need, just, just to go off and be a guy or be a girl. But we appreciate Southern Living put, putting this information out. And I got to go to look this up. I don't want to go to any of these places in the middle of these girlfriend getaways, but a lot of them sound like places I'd like to go when it's not girlfriend getaway season. Jerry Wayne Comedy is on Twitter at Comedy Jerry, not Jerry Short, but Jerry Wayne Comedy. Irreverent, a little hillbilly, a little not. Happily married father of two, comedian and fixer of things at the profile of JWC Jerry Wayne Comedy. And Jerry Wayne at Comedy Jerry writes, I'm always a little astounded by how many grown men I see in restaurants wearing hats at the table in texas sir you and your sweet ring titleless ball cap would not have fared well at the dining room table of my childhood hashtag southern well if he's in texas i'm surprised guys in texas go out to eat wearing titleless ball caps i thought it was all cowboy hats in texas i'm kind of joking there but i do want to know in texas okay and i'm not a texan at what point in texas does, does it become the standard if it is anywhere but i'm sure there are areas where most guys wear cowboy hats i came being from a non-texas state i came from an area where you didn't really wear cowboy hats and i'm okay with that i feel i have a crazy philosophy on cowboy hats if you're from texas wear a cowboy hat if you own cattle it's okay to wear a cowboy hat i don't like to see people wear cowboy hats who have no connection to texas and no connection to riding cows or or being in the rodeo or owning cows where they're cowboys okay i don't like to see people wear cowboy hats when they're from new york city for example or from birmingham (laughs) downtown birmingham alabama don't wear a cowboy hat okay although i know some people look good in cowboy hats i just that's my philosophy i don't know if you have a crazy philosophy on that or not Back in the days when Dallas was on TV, Stetsons were everywhere. I even, as a kid, remember going and buying my father a Stetson 
as a birthday present, I think. And that was a really cool thing for a nine or 10 year old kid to, to buy his dad somewhere in my parents' home. I bet you that hat is still there. And I don't think my dad ever actually wore it, but I was trying to be a good kid back in the day. But yeah, titleless ball caps, not a good thing, according to Jerry Wayne comedy. And don't wear them when you go into a restaurant, when you eat, take that hat off. And probably you definitely should take it off when you say a little blessing before you eat. That's something we all get lazy and don't do like we should. But you might as well just leave it off. I know over this past weekend, I was at a restaurant and I took my hat off and I'd been out working, not working. I was on a golf course, for goodness sake. But my hat here, I'm sure, was a mess. But you know what? I didn't have anybody to impress. That's the right thing to do. You should take your hat off. It shows reverence to the Lord for what you have in front of you. And you should always, and again, I'm guilty, just like most of you, of not always saying a prayer before I eat. And I, at least so far, got to brag, my nine-year-old, he prays every meal that we sit down together. And he'll go to random people that might be sitting beside him and ask to hold their hand and say the prayer. He did it twice this weekend when I was with him. And that's kind of cute. I don't know how long that's going to continue, but I'm proud of him. And, and and if he goes to Texas and he's got a title as ball gap, at least for right now, he's going to take it off when he gets ready to eat. His daddy, though, oh, it's so easy to leave hats on, but hey, they're not a nice thing. Not supposed. To, not only are you not supposed to wear hats in restaurants. Remember, you're not even supposed to wear hats indoors. And I'm guilty of it some, but a lot of times I do take my hat off indoors. Speaking of cowboy hats, Texas and and hats in general. Remember the days of the old Houston Oilers and Bum Phillips was the head coach of the Oilers, and he would not wear a hat in the Astrodome but he'd wear hats when the Oilers were on the road. And I think that trend continued when he went to coach the New Orleans Saints who played in the Superdome. That was kind of a fun thing. And it's all, I always think of Bum Phillips when it comes to taking your hat off. Bum Phillips, great NFL coach. And that is hashtag hullabaloo. Thank you, Jerry Wayne Comedy, for helping us talk about Bum Phillips today. When we come back on y'all, we're going to take our hat off, not because we're indoors, but we're going to take it off because royalty is coming our way. Precious Harris, our Nashville Music Report. What is going on in Music City, USA? We'll tell you all about it when she drops by after the break. Celebrate Sizzling Sprint Weekend with amazing savings at your local Sprint store June 28th, 29th, and 30th. Now for a limited time, when you switch to Sprint, we'll cover your switching fees up to $650 per line with a prepaid MasterCard. That's right, up to $650 per line. It's our way of giving you a clean slate so you can make the switch to Sprint. Plus, this weekend only, when you switch to Sprint, you'll get $100 via prepaid MasterCard for each new phone you lease. The more lines you switch, the more savings you'll get. There's never been a better time to switch to Sprint. Stop by your local Sprint store during Sizzling Sprint Weekend, June 28th, 29th, and 30th to learn more and check out other great deals. Lesser part fund trading credit provided online registration and new phone activation. Amount based on early termination fee charge or remaining phone balance. Requires port online registration and 60 days of service before card ships. Card terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Member FDIC. Tired my real lipstick cause you said you didn't like it I didn't wear 
Sound coming from a great Tennessean and Kelsey Ballerini. Welcome. This is the Y'all Show Country Music Spotlight here on this Wednesday edition. John Rawl back with you. We've got the lady that makes music rose sparkle, Precious Harris, joining us now. It's Nashville Music Line from Precious. And if you don't know who Precious is, she's the author of I Know Country with 366 daily country music questions and answers. Of which you can buy and instantly download your ebook copy at iknowcountry.com. And hey, if you're thinking about coming to Nashville and learning more about Nashville and how all the music row stuff works, like Kelsey Ballerini, what she had to learn, she, she, she just like everybody else has to learn how it works. Precious will help you. She's a music career development consultant with the emphasis on new and aspiring artists and songwriters. Follow Precious Harris's blog at nashvillemusicline.com. And we are following Precious right now in the flesh because, well, well, through the, the technology of telephones, we've got her right now on y'all. Hello, Precious. Hello, darling. How are you? I am good. How are you? And Kelsey might be a Tennessee girl. You are not, at least by birth, a Tennessee girl. Yeah, not by birth, but my, my world rocks, you know, my world rocks. Uh, by Tennessee. Yeah. So. Well, how about the Kelsey Ballerini news as she just got her fifth career number one for Miss Me More and just great news coming from this lady. I call her a young lady, but she's not, I guess she's not 18, but a great feat. Yeah. There. I remember her coming to town when she was 15. Okay. So her and Taylor both were around 14, 15 years old when they started coming to town and she was telling stories about her her pink sparkly guitar and bringing it all over music row and playing it. And she's laughing about it at her number one party for Peter Pan, which I was at. And, where, um, where was that? That was over at the airplane hangar over at hangar flight, hangar flight service, something like that. Wherever she filmed her video, it was there. And so it was a who's who. I knew they'd probably have it at a creative place with a song like Peter Pan. Oh yeah, they did. She's, and, uh, she's from mascot tennessee she's 25 years old that is in knox county is where mascot tennessee is located and she's representing her state well and continues to have big songs like the one she just celebrated she's of course on black river yeah she's actually um i'm pretty sure if i'm not i'm mistaken because i heard her talk about it during the country radio seminar i think she is a writer on miss me more okay even though she's happily married um that song but she, like i said she can change hats from a writing room to to what she you know what she feels and what her other co-writers come around with but she is actually super super sweet because we were at her number one party i've been to all of them 
And one of her number one parties, I had a client with me who had just hit 100,000 social media followers. And I walked up and I said, I introduced myself again. And I said, I want to introduce you to my clients. I said, they're up and coming singer songwriters. And we've just hit 100,000 social media followers. And we'd love to get a photo op with you to uh, hashtag you and to promote your number one single. She goes, I would love that. Yes, yes, let's get a picture. Oh. So it was like, I was like, cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations. She's going to be nice, of course, precious, because, of course, that's her home turf in Tennessee. But, hey, she went even further. She may be the only singer that I'm aware of, at least right now, that's making hit records that went to the home of the Bisons. She went to Lipscomb University in Nashville. Most of your singers go to Belmont or MTSU, and she is a Bison from Lipscomb, just down Granny, Granny White Pike. Yeah, well, you know who else is the Lipscomb? No, tell me. Thomas Rhett. Oh, he went to Lipscomb? Okay, darn. I yeah, thought- you know why I know? No. Because <laughs> what I knew is his daddy and I, you know, we sort of grew up in the business early 90s together, but Thomas Rhett's college roommate is my was my intern, Carter Hamrick, and they wrote a song called Facebook Her. And uh, so he was in college when he was still debating what to do and what not to do in the industry, and he just had a bad taste in his mouth because of things that happened, you know, his dad being gone, his mom and dad, you know, divorced the music industry. And so he just wanted to see what would happen. I guess from what I understand, he prayed about it. And because he's very, very religious and very close to God. And he thought, you know, I will give it a chance. I I don't have to make history repeat itself is basically um, what had happened. And he's done really well. You know, Lauren, his wife was actually his sixth grade sweetheart. So, uh, yeah, but there's a, a good story about Thomas. He's always just the sweetest kid. Well, back to and his, I knew he was like eight years old. So. <laughs> back to his fellow Lipscomb University classmate or alumni mate or whatever the term might be. Kelsey Ballerini is the only female artist in country music, including female duos and groups, to achieve number one with her first three consecutive singles. Reba didn't do it. Dolly Parton didn't do it. The Judds didn't do it, but she did it. Love Me Like You Mean It, Dibs, and Peter Pan, all from the debut album, The First Time, Kelsey Ballerini. What a accomplishment there. And in fact, hey, you actually wrote that you had your your niece or your sister-in-law, Jenny, went to that number one party. So Yeah, you- my British sister-in-law. And she said, oh, this is very nice. She didn't even know there was such a, a thing. And she goes, well, now, why are they celebrating this? And she'd heard of Billboard, but she had not heard of what number one parties were, which uh-huh. I thought was pretty cool. And, of course, my friend Lance Carpenter coped with one of the writers on Love Me Like You Mean It. So, you know, I'm pretty excited about, you know, doing what, you know, just going there and supporting her. Because she has always been super sweet, even before she was famous. Yeah. And sometimes what you say, the, you know, the fame changes you. It did not change Miss Ballerini, and I'm very proud of that. Well, Precious, I know you 26 years ago, and you haven't let fame get to you yet. You still take my calls. <laughs> I know, and I will always take your calls until I can't. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're glad to have our friendship continue on for another 26 years at least. Precious Harris is our guest here. It's our country music spotlight on the Y'all Show, Talk with a Southern Accent. And hey, we're talking about Kelsey Ballerini hitting number one with Miss Me More. Top five country radio airplay songs for the week ending June 23rd, according to Media Base. Hey, a name you just mentioned, Thomas Rhett. He's on top with Look What God Gave Her. 
I well, love that song, and I'm pretty sure it was co-written by Kentucky Boy. I'm sure you're Ashley right. Ashley Gorley. <laughs> and number two is Lee Bryce, Sumter, South Carolina's own, and his song, Rumor. A song that, when it first got going, was kind of slow, and then I checked back on it a couple of weeks ago. It was kind of stuck in the teens, and here it is, inching toward the top spot, Lee Bryce and rumor i had a chance to hear him over the weekend co-hosting with lon helton on lon helton's syndicated countdown show and it was fun hearing lee bryce talk about his pond i guess he lives where williamson county does that sound right yes okay well he and luke bryan are neighbors and luke bryan built a pond and must have had some problems building a pond so lee bryce decides to build a nine acre pond some might call it a lake some might call it an ocean at nine acres in middle tennessee and and luke Bryan knew about it and said hey buddy I, i've been there i'll be happy to, to help you out and i don't think lee bryce called his neighbor it wasn't very neighborly of him to to not follow the advice of luke Bryan. and this lake in middle tennessee there in williamson county is still not filled in after more than a year of construction. It takes a long time to fill up a lake or pond in Tennessee, at least. Yeah, that's funny. And he oh, said yeah. the reason for that is the rocky soil there. I guess they don't have. Uh, it's harder to build. It's just it's just a lot lot more difficult there. And of course, Luke Bryan, I've been down around the area that he's from, and it's just sand. So pretty easy to to get it filled there lee bryce and i've been around sumter i was there last week his native town pretty easy to build there there's water everywhere too but in williamson county tennessee not so easy and we hope he gets that lake built he said he had about another foot to fill up there on his lake bryce in williamson county tennessee back to the chart lee bryce at two blake shelton and god's country is at three eric church some of it is a great song and the north carolinian there at number four and Marin morris girl she's the only female here in the top five she's at five with that song the texan there wow and i'll give you a little backup a little background of lee of uh of uh lee bryce his little brother lewis bryce has yeah. lewis palooza every you know every uh what you call a, a cma fest and once again it was sold out but his little brother is just as talented as he is so uh you know so there's another what you call siblings you know how you have different siblings like uh not with the judge, but uh, duos. Uh, that's mother duos, yeah. And uh, the siblings is like, uh, which I guess the country version of the Osmonds. <laughs> oh, okay. But uh, yeah, he's a. Uh, uh, he, he yeah, they are both very very talented. Well, we're excited about that and all the songs there. There's some darn good country music made today. And some of it is eh, borderline country, borderline good music, but some of it's darn good and, and a couple of those darn good songs right there in the mix in the top five. And we're glad to tell you about that right here on today's Y'all Show. We'll go to a break. And when we come back, we've got some news about a band that made a song go all over the place back in the 70s, but they've got some news and they have a connection to the Commonwealth of Kentucky. We'll let you know about that band and play a song of theirs when we come back from the break. But as we leave you, we have a trivia question. Which pop, rock, country, R&B superstar performed what would be his final concert on this date in 1977 at the Indianapolis Market Square Arena? The answer for that and the song that was sung at that concert 
That's after the break here on Gaul. I can't believe it. That Philip brought his little brother on our mission into orbit? How long until we get there? How long until we get there? How long until we get there? No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with GEICO. What's this button do? What's this button do? What's this button do? What's this button do? No, 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 don't touch that. Believe it, GEICO could save you 15% or more on car insurance. I'd love to hear more. Do you have a card? This is it. This is when you can either let something happen or make it happen with your professional custom card from Vistaprint. Right now, you can get 500 business cards personalized the way you want them, starting at just $9.99. You pick the look, the style, and the statement you want to make in the moment. Now's the time to make something happen for your business. So own the now with 500 custom business cards, starting at $9.99 at Vistaprint.com. Just use promo code 3232. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code 3232. song and love that band more info on that band in just a moment but right now on y'all as we wrap up our show today we have a trivia question posed before the break that we have to answer we've got precious harris here with us it's the country music spotlight with precious precious the music career development consultant who emphasizes all the new music and aspiring artists out there follow her blog at nashvillemusicline.com the trivia question which pop rock country r&b superstar and this is the definition of superstar performed what would be his final concert on this date in 1977 at the indianapolis market square arena precious the answer is my husband in a previous life elvis presley (laughs) you better not tell your husband of the current life I know. He knows. Put it this way. It looks like Pepto-Bismol and Elvis had a baby in Yeah, mind. yeah, yeah. That never, never gets old. You telling us that. Elvis right. Presley, as he sung there at Market Square Arena, and that was in 77. And I think his song on the chart, he actually had a successful country music chart at his death, and that was Cold Kentucky Rain. Does that sound right? Yes, and I'm 99% sure Eddie Rabbit co-wrote it. He did. Um, he did. Yeah. <clears throat> and then... Uh, of course, the last song he sang on stage before he died, because he he started getting really sick, um, you know, in July. And, of course, he passed away uh, a little almost six weeks later on August 16th. But uh, it was Bridge Over Troubled Waters. Uh-huh. And it's almost it's ironic that he sang that uh, just weeks before his death. 
and I'm not enough of an Elvis fanatic to know, but was that last concert from Market Square Arena, was that captured on video? I think it is. I'll have to go to YouTube and look. I have, I cannot tell you how many hundreds and hundreds of videos I have watched with him. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he was your husband in a previous life. He was my husband in a previous life, yes, and don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> well, got to give the old Tupelo boy credit. He he was one of a kind and, and misses I guess what what could have happened, Elvis. It was forty years ago that he died, more than forty years ago. But golly, what a lasting legend! And he could, if he if he was alive, he he would still, I think, be in his eighties. I think. Yeah, he would be. I think a year older than my dad. Okay. I think. I think if I remember right. Yeah, I think he was born around thirty five. So. 84 years old 84 years young the king of rock and roll if he were still with us but yeah it's not that old when we're reading stories today about all these world war ii veterans dying at 105 and and four and three and some of them at 99 years old just went over to normandy for the 75th anniversary of d-day but elvis presley and that great song that he sang there bridge over troubled waters on this day back in 1977 in his final concert that he ever performed well precious how about a band from lexington kentucky exile they have a new album coming out called lost the garage tapes of the recordings of this band which a little over 40 years ago they came out with a song kiss you all over and that was a pop phenomenon of course been in a bunch of movies like i think happy gilmore's got it in there but uh love exile love what they did in country music in the 80s and early 90s Tell me more about what's going on with J.B. Pennington, Sonny Lemire, Les Taylor, and the, the guys of Exile. Well, first of all, uh, I got to see them uh, in the Kentucky Music Hall of Fame. And they were there. Uh, the, the Headhunters were inducting them. And I will tell you, it was an all-star band with Sam Bush from uh, New Grass Revival. And it was Steve Warner, which is your favorite artist of all time. Ooh, Steve Warner. Yes, and it was Exile on stage, Sam Bush on stage, the Kentucky Headhunters on stage, and they had a jam session. I never wanted it to end. I was just in awe in front of the stage like a groupie. I was like, stop it, you're acting unprofessional. I'm like, no, I'm not. I love my Kentucky musicians, love my Kentucky boys. Like I said, I knew Steve because he used to book uh, one of my good friends, Eric Headley. When he uh, took a break from actually being a musician side, because he's the drummer for Exile, and uh, he used to book Eric Heatherly. But I love all those guys, and I just so excited. And what really what had happened is what the big story is. They call them garage tapes, but uh, a little. It's been forty years, literally, since they have this this stuff had been done, and they've had eight million records since then, and eleven number one songs. But they're actually releasing this song i mean be releasing the tapes on their anniversary so i'm gonna try my best to go to the vip they're having a cd release event and um on july 13th so i'm gonna try my best to try to get there because i know i would love it because i just love those guys well like i said kiss you all over the big hit on the pop chart in 1978 is when that was the top of the chart uh gold record there off of mixed emotions but that they weren't really necessarily a country act at that time but they made a switch in the 80s and they mm-hmm. put out yes. about 10 number one songs from 83 up until 1990 their last hit song yet but that first number one in country music was woke up in love and 
other songs they had she's a miracle and hang super on love. Your heart. super love yeah and we played another one of those great songs that we had coming into this break i can't get close enough exile whoa oh, yes. what great music from that lexington kentucky based band well as we wrap up a song that's getting a little bit more airplay now that we kind of told you about it a few weeks here on the show it was garth brooks and blake shelton together on the new song dive bar and that is getting to be maybe the summer smash precious well actually i was uh I, you know i'm a subscriber to country air check and they had like apparently the top ads for those two last week was 126 ads which is what they call historical ads on the radio stations. This week, they had another historical at 120 ads. Wow, that's a lot of ads. It's a lot of ads. It's like historical. And ads, we're not talking about advertisements. We're talking about additions where they get put on the radio. radio, Yeah, where they actually add it into rotation so you'll get to hear it on your station. Um, But but I will tell you that... um, just knowing the both of them and separate careers, I would have loved to have been in the studio. I hate to use the word a fly on the wall. <laughs> Instead of a butterfly on the wall. Uh, anyway, but I would love to have been there when they recorded that song. And, of course, it was co-written by uh, Garth and a guy named Mitch Rossell. Mm. And he actually used to let one of my kids, who's my client now, sleep on his couch for a couple of months when he first moved to town. So, uh very very good you know what i mean yeah so just i cannot those i want to my i want to see them perform it live so that's what i'm hoping that it happen even if it's a, i could go watch it on youtube i would be very very happy to see that this pair of okies the song dive bar and it is quickly becoming a huge summer smash in fact the tennessean in nashville describes dive bar as a romping beer soaked blue collar anthem that harkens to friends in low places and showcases both singers as the life of the party. Any idea who at the Tennessee and might have pinned that description of this song? Uh, probably Blake. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, it's probably uh, uh, all the guy. His last name, I call him Mr. Rao. I'll probably say it wrong. Okay. But, uh, yeah, he's the one of the writers of the Tennessee. It's probably him. Now, I don't know. Cindy Watts, she's like my favorite. I love her. She's our entertainment writer for the Tennessean. All right. Well, check it out, Tennessean.com, if you want to learn more about Dive Bar from Garth and Blake Shelton. Now, this is maybe a little bit inside baseball talk with you, Precious, but this is a duet with Garth and Blake, okay? Guys that are one of the biggest act probably ever in country music and Garth and probably the hottest act in country music over the last couple of years, Blake Shelton, I would say primarily fueled by what he does on television, but he's put out some good songs too. And here they are together on this song that they could have taken this in various ways, precious. And they chose a good honky tonk traditional type song here. And what do you know about a trend in country to kind of get back to the honky tonk traditional, the throwback country. And I asked this question because I recently got an email from a, an organization that you are familiar with CDX and CDX is starting like a traditional country format or something like that. What, what can you tell the general audience about what in the world's going on without this? Well, uh, believe it or not, uh, they are, classic country and traditional country is and i just left england of course in europe is so high demand 
that they've actually started a chart with classic country on it and start to promote music to the classic country, the mom and pops that want to keep traditional country music alive. Okay. But this is new music, but done in the traditional way. Is that what it is? Yes. Not going back and just pulling random records from 30 years ago and, and promoting them. Yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, I've got a song on this month. I got two, uh, two artists that I work with, but they're one's alive and one's dead. <laughs> but, uh, it's a record label I work with called Country Rewind. Oh, okay. And we've released Jeannie C. Riley's remake. And I don't want to use the word remake because it's the original recording that Scotty Moore did in 1977. We can't take anything away. We can only add it. So it's Jeannie C. Riley's version of me and Bobby McGee with an updated on top of the older traditional. But it still sounds like it was done with a, like today's music, but with a country 30 years ago feel oh, okay then our other song is uh uh call my twitties oh. uh, it's a toss-up right now which one we're going to release because cdx the guy that owns cdx joe kelly uh and his wife love both songs we've got um hello darling and is the one that looks like it's going to win against the rest of them but uh it's if you get a chance uh you know a cdx dot uh, com is a free subscription okay. uh, if you get a chance, you can go in there and look and see what kind of songs are being sent out and charted. Like I said, we have Conway Twitty, which we own the actual um, masters, which his daughter, Joni Twitty, remember Don't Cry Joni, uh-huh. is married to John Wesley Riles, who was a huge backup singer for everybody in the 70s and 80s. Anyway, they re- they did the record for us, Conway Twitty's. It's called Timeless. If you get a chance, check it out. It it's literally takes you back in time with a modern type instruments but it doesn't lose any of the actual traditional which is a really hard thing to do when you're promoting a record to do Hmm. well that is great news for all of us who love that traditional brand of country music precious harris you're our traditionalist and you're our trendsetter at the same time and we appreciate all that you do here on the y'all show bringing us the scoop from 17th and 16th avenue nashville tennessee well you have to come see me now when i get my office moved you want me to come see you or you want me to help come move some boxes help come move some boxes and bring your radio (laughs) microphone (laughs) i'll do it let me know because i got some songwriters moving me that are really really good actually uh good movers or good songwriters both (laughs) most songwriters are good movers yeah (laughs) yeah yeah well you're moving right to the end of the show here today that's precious harris from nashville tennessee well thank you all for listening to the y'all show again reminder we're going to have an author join us on the second hour of tomorrow's y'all show alan cheney will be on to talk about his new book crescendo and that's about his grandfather fred allen who is a virtuoso in the music world all that on thursday plus a look at the southeastern conference you don't want to miss it this is y'all talk with a southern accent we'll see you tomorrow Celebrate Sizzling Sprint Weekend with amazing savings. Now for a limited time when you switch to Sprint, we'll cover your switching fees up to $650 per line with a prepaid MasterCard. That's right, up to $650 per line. It's our way of giving you a clean slate so you can make the switch to Sprint. Plus, for a limited time, you can pick up an iPad on us when you lease a new iPhone. It's an unrivaled pair. Get both and save big when you switch to Sprint. Stop by your local Sprint store during Sizzling Sprint Weekend, June 28th, 29th, and 30th to learn more. That's June 28th, 29th, and 30th at Sprint. 
Less required phone trading credit provided after online registration and new phone activation. Amount based on early termination fee charge or remaining phone balance. Card terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Member FDIC, iPad 6, Gen 32 gigabytes, $0 per month after 1917 monthly credit for 24 months. Credit apply within two bills. Requires new line on qualifying plan. If you cancel early, remaining balance due. Tax due at sale. When tracking the domestic dust bunny, you commonly find them hiding under wardrobes next to lost socks. Don't move too suddenly or they'll scurry off. What's utterly fascinating about the dust bunny is that although they are not actually sentient creatures, when they hear that Geico not only saves people money, but also has a 97% customer satisfaction rating, it's obvious to them you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. Oh no, it's the dust bunny's only natural predator. Run along, dust bunnies, run along.